We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, Chargers fans? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live after yet another uh, frustrating, frustrating loss from the Chargers at the hands of the Tennessee Titans, 27-24 in overtime. Um, apologies for the, the late start. Had a bit of a technology mishap, but Tyler's here. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you? Uh, you doing all right? You doing good or uh, it's kind of a rough day so far? Uh, well, there was a game that happened and the Chargers lost. So unfortunately, it's not a great start to my week again. Um, certainly not a great start to the season for the Chargers. Apologize for my camera being like this and my microphone is sitting on top of my laptop. You know, I, I didn't get it together today and neither did the team. So here we are. <laughs> it's a, a nice little symbol of the, uh, the Chargers uh, season so far. Uh, so Benjamin Solak of the ringer pointed this out. Uh, I feel like this is the right place to start the show. Um, since 2010 teams that have passed for more than 275 yards and zero turnovers have been 382, 96 and two to win percentage of 80% with the loss to the Titans today. The chargers are one of those 96. So this team, uh, obviously found a, very new way to lose last week to the Miami Dolphins from a historical perspective. And uh, that continued again today. So um, I'm not sure really where we want to start, but this Chargers team, you know, had the the whole mantra that we saw in um, the all in was start fast and finish. That was the, the point of emphasis from the Chargers coaching staff this season um that and along with some other mantras but that has been very much a mixed bag today the chargers offense started with a three and out and it finished with a three and out uh it just it it felt like the chargers were playing not to lose today honestly that's i felt like i was watching a 2019 Anthony Lidled and Chargers game today. That that's really what it felt like for me personally. Yep. Um, I don't know how everyone else felt in the chat today. Um, but it just felt like they were just trying to hang on and hang on and hang on. They had several chances to put the game away and they didn't. And that's that's just how I feel right now. I feel like I was watching a team that was playing not to lose, and that's 
just an unfortunate way to start the season considering where this team was expecting to be at this point of their quote-unquote easy part of the schedule. Yeah, this team, very much so like the Lynn era, is trying to operate within the margins and win by just a bit or, or not lose by just a bit. This team struggles to put games away, and this is the eighth game out of 36 games in the Staley era they have lost because of the blown fourth quarter lead or overtime loss. Eight out of 36. Basically, every four games I'm watching the Chargers blow it in this current era yeah. of the Chargers. You know, my parents, God love them. They're cheering. They're like, look, we're, they're going to win. They're going to pull it off. And I'm sitting there in the doldrums and I'm sitting there skeptical and even just awaiting what's about to happen. And, you know, I talked about it last time when the Chargers lost. There's an aspect of being a fan where at some point you just don't believe that you're going to pull it off anymore. And we sit in the stands and we don't think the defense is going to come up with a stop or the offense won't get the first down or whatever. And they didn't again. Again, this team for years, Rivers, Herbert, this coordinator, that coordinator, that coach, you name it, not getting it done again. And that's that's what being a Chargers fan is all about, I guess. You know, I, I'm somewhat relatively new to this, even though I'm in year like 15. Some people have been watching this for 40, 50 years of their lives. Uh, I don't know how. It's just another instance of the Chargers not being able to get it done. And there's always a new reason, you know, there, sometimes it's not the defense. Sometimes it's not the offense. Sometimes it's not special teams, whatever, but there's always a rotating reason. It's just spin the wheel of reasons. The chargers are going to lose this week. And it's frustrating. You have that stat. Here's another one. Darius Davis had more snaps on offense than Quentin Johnston today. And I'm not saying that means that Quentin Johnston is bad. And I'm not saying that it means that Darius Davis is great, but like, do your first round picks have to contribute more than that? And if that's the expected contribution this year for that player, you can't spend a first round pick on that player. And again, that's, that's nothing against Quentin Johnson. He can only be out there for as often as they tell him to be out there. And yeah. you know, that that's all you get, right? Like he's not the one who's deciding not to throw him a screen, but if you're a team that's trying to win close games like this against really good teams, you can't have your first round to be outsnapped by the the returner that you drafted in the fourth round on day three. Who who would have been a better pick at this point? I don't know. Again, it's not on Johnston, but if that is your idea of what the season was going to be, like this is it. This is your season, guys, and that's the plan. So the whole yeah. thing is just frustrating. We can go in any different direction you want to talk about frustrations, but I was waiting for Arjun to send us the snap count, and that's it. That is like. That's awful. I started to notice it, so I wanted to ask, and yeah, awful. Awful, awful, awful. You feel like maybe one more play to him, one opportunity for him could have changed the game, and it didn't. Yeah, I th I feel like that would have been more justifiable if you're, like, handing the ball off to Darius Davis and, like, getting him some touches to stretch the, the Titans' defense horizontally outside of the, the pitch, which was a, a great play design. I love that one. Um, that was really the the only touch. So um, we can certainly talk about Kellen Moore. There's, this is not a game where the blame chart or the you know, blame pie chart is exclusively on one person. I feel like there's yeah. several people that, you know, should take blame today for the way that this team played. Um, but Kellen Moore, we can start with him because I was puzzled by the way that this game plan went because it felt like, you know, he's been so intentional on like establishing an identity on the ground. And it felt like he has really been um, pouring resources into that approach on that side of the wall. But to do it the way that they did today against the Tennessee Titans just didn't really make sense. And I understand you got to keep them accountable at, at certain times. I'm certainly not saying to abandon the run, but it, it felt like he particularly was was coaching not to lose again it felt like he was kind of approaching to get these long approaching drives coming and it just it didn't make any sense once the chargers finally started opening the opening up the offense and, and letting justin herbert throw it vertically they were great they had that one touchdown drive late in the game um i would have loved to see the final drive um in regulation and with a touchdown but they open it up and and 
and they're moving the ball down the field. Um, there's going to be a lot of discourse this week about Kellen Moore from this fan base. There's going to be a lot of things that I don't agree with. I think if you watch that game and you watched last week, he's the best offensive coordinator the Chargers have had in quite some time, in my opinion, so far. Today, I did not love the overall game plan, and it felt like they were just trying to be a little too stubborn running the football a little bit. So, again, you know, there's going to be a lot of narratives this week. I'm People are already pointing out, you know, the Cowboys fans are probably going to have a field day. This was not a great Killmore offensive game plan, but the Chargers still did some really good things on offense. Um, it just was simply not enough. And again, a little bit stubborn at moments. So he deserves, uh, he definitely deserves some blame, but don't freak out about Killmore. I think he's ultimately going to be fine. Um, but this was not a great Killmore game. No, 24 points is as much as I figured they would score against the Titans. I think I picked 24-17. So the number itself is not much of a surprise. But then you watch the game and the opportunities that they had. I, I just don't understand really the non-Joshua Kelly aspect of the run game today, whether in terms of the players that were used or not used, and then yeah, the frequency of, of those plays. Like I get it. Like, again, like you said, you got to keep the defense honest. You do have to run the football. I guess like I know you don't have to, but you have to run the football. And it's not like the drop back game was so perfect. And the protection was so great the whole game where you yeah. feel like, yeah, we can always drop back and throw it. And there are plenty of issues dating back to last week where the protection wasn't perfect throughout. But the, the usage and the frequent usage of plays to Elijah Dotson and, you know, Herbert can get some blame for this checking into that play for yeah. some reason. Look, And I don't know what the coverage was. Maybe there's maybe that was actually a smart thing to do based on what they were showing, but but not just, with Dotson in that moment. No. Well, that's exactly that's exactly the right. What what did Isaiah Spiller do? <laughs> what did Isaiah Spiller <laughs> do in terms of run? Like, if you yeah. think Dotson is better on special teams because he actually was a returner in college, I think he right. had well, not returner, but he has returner experience. He had an, his only punt return in college was 80 yards for a touchdown. Like, I get that that maybe in that regard, he's a better special teamer. Fine. But what did Isaiah Spiller do in the preseason and in training camp to be relegated to, you know, less than Larry Roundtree involvement in some of these games? Yeah. I don't, I don't even, did we think he even had like 10 snaps today? Like I thought he had two, like, I don't even yeah. know what else he did today. He had one carry, I believe. So he had one carry for three yards. And I'm not saying that's a barn burner or anything by any means. That's not, you know, Yahoo, there's your replacement there. But I don't understand why we're getting Elijah Dotson in these situations and they're just hammering it up the middle. Let's run it a ton up the middle against yeah. the Tennessee Titans, who were what second, third in DVOA EPA per play against the run. So, and part of that's on Moore, part of that's on personnel, part of that's on Telesco, if Spiller's a bust, whatever. But I don't get it. I, I, I don't get the usage of everyone after Joshua Kelly today. You know, if we do a one two with Eckler Kelly, if Eckler was healthy, obviously. Fine, I get that. And maybe it doesn't work with Kelly, but let's just push the train forward with, with Elijah Dotson. Who, that's not his game. Like, that's not even a, a way you would utilize him. I, I just was stunned by that whole usage. And they got, let's see, four carries for six yards out of it from Elijah Dotson. And I don't really think it was like his fault. It's not like no. there was a whole lot to do, but you need more. And for my understanding and guess here, I, I would assume. I think there's better in those moments. So was just not great after Joshua Kelly. Yeah, that that was puzzling today from the offensive coaching staff. The consistent, you know, stubbornness with like trying to make Mike Williams and Keenan Allen good after the catch or like in space is is puzzling. Like that's it's what you drafted Quentin Johnston for. It's what you got on the podiums. It's what you talk about every single time is that he's so good after contact. He's so good after the catch. You know, we want to get him creative touches. Same thing with Darius Davis. Like, that to me is is the biggest gripe with Kellen Moore. I thought, like, his overall game plan today was fine. I thought that there were some really good moments. But you're making it – you're making your overall offense harder on yourself by not getting Quentin Johnson and Darius Davis these touches who are significantly better options, you know, horizontally than Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. And, and those two guys were really good today. I felt like both of them played very solid games today. Keenan obviously goes over 100, 100 yards and has the two touchdowns. Mike Williams was really good in some moments. But, like, we, we don't need to force feed those guys those 
situations. You know, like that should be even like Gerald Everett should get those opportunities more than than Keenan and Mike. So again, Kellen Moore, there's going to be some narratives that come out of this game, I'm sure. But overall, I thought that he's he was fine today. He was really good last week. Um, you know, so I'm not necessarily super concerned with like the overall offensive plan. Um, what did you make of the way Justin Herbert played today? Because that to me feels like the next natural point to discuss so far. Yeah, let, let's start with the comment from Cole here. Um, the Herbert blame is very cringe. You'd be ashamed of yourselves. Uh, Herbert very much so contributed to the loss today. Am I saying he's the top three reason they lost? No, I am not saying that at all. There were moments, especially early on, where Herbert was just making things happen. Corey Lindsay gets bowled over. Herbert picks himself up, turns himself around, throws a ball to Keenan Allen. Like there were great Herbert that moments. That was crazy. <laughs> Amazing. And I, I wish we could be that'd be the leadoff today. I wish we could talk about that. And the yeah. you know, and he got stepped on on fourth down, still gets the pitch out to Darius Davis. Like great moments, but it wasn't perfect. And look. I think we have we have to be able to criticize him now and this offense now because we think that there's room for improvement and this offense can grow. We can't sit here and say, oh, Herbert was perfect and the offense was perfect. Well, you scored 24 points and you guys lost in the end. And we've seen several drives at the end there, that final drive, where he wasn't perfect. The offense wasn't perfect. Herbert was really good, but it wasn't enough. Now, is that is that fair? Should the defense have been better? Fine. Totally. Again. I don't think Herbert's in the top three reasons the Chargers lost today, but Herbert is on another offense trying to learn another thing with some new players on offense and a billion different things he's learned from high school to college to the other offense coordinator to the other offense coordinator to the other offense coordinator. Gets the NFL from Shane Steichen to Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore, you know, and he's consistently trying to have to put this team on his back. So yeah, he wasn't perfect today, and there were many points were not many there were enough points to say yeah herbert could have done better there a couple moments where he could have been better not checked out of one play it wasn't perfect so i want to see where it goes from here i think the offense can be a lot better from here but i don't think herbert is beyond oh we can't criticize him the yeah. loss isn't on him unless he goes perfect and throws for five touchdowns there are plays throughout the game where you can say yeah herbert could have been better but it's not on him that they lost. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think our expectations for Justin Herbert are that he is in that same conversation as maybe not Patrick Mahomes. I think he's in his own conversation, but you know that he plays at the same level of a Josh Allen, of a Joe Burrow who got injured again today, which is another conversation for you know Bengals podcast, which is unfortunate to see. But our expectation is for him to be in that second tier. He's being paid like it. I think that he is very deserving of that payday. But he's not been super sharp through two games. I think he's had some really good moments. Like you mentioned, the, the rollout touchdown to Keenan Allen today. He's had some puzzling throws. Um, and I just I haven't loved the way that he's managed certain situations. You know, the Chargers are giving him a ton of freedom at the line. This is his next step, in my opinion. This is not something that Joe Lombardi let him do, is for him to come to the line, check into plays, check out of plays, make the right reads. And there were some really puzzling decisions from him today. You, you mentioned the check-in to Elijah Dotson. You simply cannot go three and out to start overtime, like not even a single first down. And I understand that there was pressure on one of the plays, but it just felt like a little out of sorts at moments. And it's just not stuff that we're used to seeing from Justin Herbert when he's at his best. So maybe some of that is the offseason. Maybe some of that is, um, you know, the pressure getting to him. Maybe that it not like out external pressure, like physically on the field pressure. Um, but this was this was a game where I thought he had a real chance to show up at the last minute and, and you know, lead this team down, score a touchdown. Or and then in overtime again. So this is it, it's two games in a row where he's been fine. He's been good, but we expect more of Justin Herbert, and I think that's that is rightfully so. I think he's earned that. Um, but he he is probably a smaller portion of the blame chart. But he did not yeah. play well enough for this team to win today. Yeah, you. It's cool if you're a rookie, but you're at a certain point now where there's expectations that come with the contract. 
they come with the status of that he that the bar that he set for himself unfortunately he was really freaking good to start his career and now we only really expect that and having the 300 yards and two touchdowns and no turnovers like that's almost not good enough to his standard which is unfortunate but yeah you, you expect at this point you know we always we believed i think i don't remember exactly where i had hurt or herbert excuse me i think i had him fourth right but it's like there's a certain point where you need to just start winning these games and it doesn't matter how well you played there's a lot of guys behind you in the AFC, some of the guys in the NFC who might pass you just because these games are now being won by those quarterbacks. And because of those quarterbacks, I don't know about where the picture is going to fall in the end. Obviously, the, the Bengals not looking so great right now. So, you know, we'll see. But yeah, at, at this point, there needs to be in one of the last couple of games, one of these drives needed to be the win. And look, I'll, I'll credit him. Obviously, there was the game tying field goal to send things to overtime. So it's not like there was no drive here and he just, you know, pooped right. the bed in the end. Right. But unfortunately, or, you know, he just, he's paid in the way he was drafted. You're starting to need to expect these things now from him. Yeah. I don't know. Like I, I, I understand like why people are trying to blame him. I understand why people are trying to say it's not his fault, but he he hasn't been good enough in in these two games, and that's I think that's the objective truth. And maybe you're asking, I'm asking too much of him, but it's it is what it is. Um, the offensive line today definitely have to address that situation. Um, this was an up and down performance from them. You know, you pointed out on Twitter, Zion has just these lapses that happen every so often that he gets beat at a really crucial moment. Always seems to be on third down. Um, Trey Pipkins had a couple really poor reps today against Arden Key and Danico Autry. And listen, this is a great, great Titans defensive line. It is. But yeah. I expect, again, similar to the way that we were just talking about Justin Herbert, I expect this offensive line to perform like a offensive line that is building towards being a top five unit. And you know, not being able to run the football today, again, I, I can understand this is the best run defense in the league, but the pass protection lapses were were really frustrating. And, you know, even Rashawn Slater had a holding penalty, which is very un uncharacteristic of him. Yeah. So it just it, it feels like through two games that the offensive line has been really, really good. And then in the moments where you need them to show out, they they kind of shit the bed. Like it, it's kind of a similar conversation to what we just talked about with Justin Herbert. We expect so much of them because they earned mm -hmm. that because we think they can be this top five unit. But today was, was frustrating because all the key lapses always felt like it was a third down sack. It felt like it was a drive killing, holding penalty, stuff like that is just stuff that, that shouldn't be happening with this unit. This offensive line is too good for that. Yeah. So early again, unofficial from, you know, for, for, for in terms of pressures, Jamari Solari with three, Lindsay with two, Pipkin, Zion, and Slater with one. A couple of times beaten for no pressure, but and those stats, like you, you told me, those are the pressures against this defense. Okay, like I, I'm taking that. What's that? Ten total, whatever it was. That's not yeah. terrible. But then there's and Zion Johnson is unfortunately the worst scenario, worst you know version of this. I love watching Zion Johnson on film. I think watching him play is fantastic and then something really god awful happens in that game for whatever reason and, and look simmons you know that's a very difficult player to block you know you're, you're gonna lose those and jamari lost his and trey lost his and, and again rashawn had a holding penalty but this team this, this offensive line needs to have something where they can play some mistake free football and not in, and not again like you said crap the bed i have kids watching so that's the closest i'll get um i don't know it, it's frustrating and i and then so i understand you know i'm curious to go back and, and watch now the timing of when the chargers decide to then run the football or throw these screens because are they seeing that this offensive line is just in those critical moments not holding up and they're not communicating and they're not protecting or whatever so they they go into these we're going to run it. We're going to throw another screen. We're going to throw something short again. Why? Because every time I expect you to do your job, you don't do it. So I, I'm really curious to see what the timing is of these plays as well, because, you know, on the one hand, running as often as they did is frustrating. At the same time, 
if you're watching your offensive line just blow pass protection, how often can you call those deep dropbacks? But then again, they played really well in moments. 90% of this game was really, really strong in pass protection. It's just a yeah. god-awful 10%. Yeah. So I guess my my question here is because, you know, a lot of long-term problem solutions being mentioned in the chat. How concerned are you about where this Chargers offense is headed? Or do you think this is a unit that is going to figure it out and, and potentially I don't I don't want to talk about playoffs. They're owing to they don't deserve that kind of talk right now. But we expected this Chargers offense to be at minimum in the top 10. Where are you at right now with that with that kind of expectation? Um, I mean, I'll be honest. Are they not in the top 10 currently? Because I feel like at the end of this week, they could be. So them being there that early is 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 strong. And they, they've scored, what is it, 34? So they scored 58 points in two games now. Theoretically um, good enough to be 2-0. <laughs> right. No, tw- again, 29 points per game should be pretty good. And that's that's a very good Dolphins defense and a very good Titans defense. So you see where they're hopefully going to end up, right? There's you know a little bit of timing. You know, Herbert is learning so much about how to control it. Like the last couple of games, I'm finally watching Philip Rivers again because Rivers was, you know, calling this out, calling that out, changing so much. That was not yeah. Herbert. Like they didn't let him do that. So it's unfortunate that he'll check into a run that goes nowhere, but he has to learn those things too. And like Herbert, he's not an idiot. He's going to figure this part out. And you saw flashes of that today. I don't know what Herbert's dot was for this game. They didn't complete as much as they would have liked, but it was higher, right, than it was last week. I'm pretty sure they took more deep chances this game. And I, I feel like more than they did last season. So, you know, we've seen aspects of this run game be very, very good. And obviously missing Austin Eckler doesn't help. This offensive line overall, I feel good about. I feel good about Herbert. The tight ends are an okay spot. Um, so I feel good about where the offense is going to go, but if the defense is then going to allow 36 and then 27 and commit some rough penalties, there's no margin for this offense to go, oops, like, ah, that didn't work. I'll figure it out next time. Nope. Cause it's immediately followed by a 70 yard play, you know, then a touchdown and this or that. So I think the offense will chug along and be fine, but this defense has to catch up even faster. Yes, I, I, I'm glad that you framed it that way because I think that the expectation should still be the same for the offense. I think that we can nitpick their performance today because we expect them to perform at a much higher level. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to be a much different conversation about the defense here in a second. Um, but this offense should be good enough to be in the top 10. You know, this offense should be good enough to keep them in every single game. That's the expectation for this kind of coordinator and this kind of head coach. I think, again, there will be a lot of conversations to be had about the way that Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert performed today. But overall, this unit is going to be fine, and I I have confidence in them figuring it out. Hey, what's up, everybody? want to take a quick second to talk to you about our sponsor, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. We are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you simply have to pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Tyler and I have had a ton of fun using the app. It's super easy to use. You simply pick your favorite players that you think are going to have a big week, i.e. Keenan Allen against the Tennessee Titans in week two. Or maybe it's a bad week, i.e. Kirk Cousins against the Philadelphia Eagles. You make those selections, you pick more than or less than on those statistics. Again, two to six player stat projections, and you can simply watch the money roll in. PrizePix also offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday during the NBA season, if that's more of your jam. And again, you can use Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits as well. Super user-friendly. We've loved using the app, and we cannot recommend them enough. Uh, simply go to prizepix.com guilty and use the code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. Thanks for supporting the show. Bolt up. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's get to some super chats before we do talk about the uh, defense and, and uh, Mr. Brandon Staley. Uh, Tragedy Productions, uh, appreciate the super chat. He says, at least the Raiders got a hard reality check today. Um, I didn't watch it. I don't know if your dad watched it, but I saw that Devontae got injured, which is never something you want to see. My microphone's like falling over. I'll just hold it. Um, yeah, unfortunately, all that means is that my mom has to come for two guys today. Me and my dad, so. <laughs> Pray for my mother. <laughs> uh, Matt, appreciate the super chat. He wants people fired, which I think is too early for that kind of conversation but we'll see uh, I think no pop what anybody thinks it's going to be a season-long thing like regardless yeah. of what anybody thinks we're stuck here yeah. so uh member chat here for the first time my seven-year-old paid attention to a game i watched him smile and had to hold him as he cried unsure i want to put him through a lifetime of this Man, jesus that's a, <laughs> that's a that's a depressing thought i i hope it gets better for your son yeah um you know, on the one hand, you could stick with it. On the other hand, I changed teams. You know, my dad tried to raise me as a Raiders fan. I switched teams. <laughs> I'm still miserable. So, you know. That was like a lose-lose situation for you, really. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Either bad Raiders team or never winning Chargers team. Um, so, yeah, it's great. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, good super chat question here from your mom. Appreciate that. Always a win when she can watch her son. She says, what were the top three positives for you, Tyler, from today's game? Um, the charcuterie board and all the hospitality <laughs> that my parents provided, getting to talk to Steven and the fact that the game ended. Nice. Nice. Um, uh, for me, the biggest positive was Thule. I thought Thule, Thule, Poloto showed yes. up uh, fantastic mm -hmm. today. According to the CBS broadcast, uh, Tuli Palopo uh, it was the way that they <laughs> mentioned him the first time on the broadcast, but had some really great moments as a pass rusher, as a run defender. I love that they actually leaned into his ability to rush as a stand-up rusher. That was a fun thing to say to see today. Um, I thought Kenneth Murray had some good moments. Again, there was a lot of negativity about the way he played last week. I thought he was, was good today, had some really nice run stops against Derrick Henry. Um, and, um, third one, I guess I'll say Keenan Allen having him a nice day, you know, over hundred okay. yards and two, and two yes. touchdowns. I'll, I'll, I'll try to give a serious answer. Although you, you mostly covered it for me. Uh, Thule is mature beyond his years. And that's maybe the only yeah. take that we've gotten right so far is yep. that, that, yep. that Thule has looked awesome and he looked even better today than I would have guessed. You know, you're put into these spots where. You know, you have to start. You're basically starting at this point. And he looked awesome. That There were several plays where he made the play against the run, splitting the double team on what ended up being Joey Bosa's sack. He looks awesome. Like, the future is bright with him. It's unfortunate that, you know, the third-round pick wasn't playing. The first-round pick got 10 snaps. But Tuli looks really, really good. So at least there's that. Um, Keenan Allen looked really strong. Uh, I don't know. How often he was open, he was certainly not happy with the third down check, but he looked really good. Um, you know, the, the little like the short guy, uh, Moss celebration after he caught <laughs> that uh, touchdown. Yeah. So he looked good. Second play in a row, second week in a row, he's had a, I don't know if it's like a 40 yard bomb, but it was like a 30 something yarder stretching yeah. the field. Like that's great to see. Um, who else did you say? Who did I miss? Who did you say that I missed? Uh, I talked about Kenneth Murray being one of them. Oh, yeah. You know what? Honestly, solid game. I, I don't know if it was a perfect game, but it was a whole heck of a lot better than anybody expected. And yeah. that deserves praise. Uh, with the stats officially are, it was pretty good at halftime. So 10 tackles, uh, sack, two tackles for loss, a quarterback hit. 
Um, a lot of really, really solid plays, more than I expected and more than they got from either linebacker last week. Yeah. And in general, I do think the pass rush was was much better today as well. Probably aided a little bit by a bad Titans offensive line and a quarterback who likes to hold the ball. But, hey, we'll take it after hitting to a one time last week. Um, <laughs> well, we'll get back to some of these other Super Chats in a, in a minute here. Um, but let's talk about Mr. Brandon Staley here. Um, this is... I think the place I want to start is the way that Brandon Staley has been managing games recently. Um, this is kind of a, a really nuanced conversation about game management. If you look at Sumer Sports, uh, they have metrics that Brandon Staley has measured pretty well in over the past two seasons. And according to them, has been in like the top five in that regard, in particular, like timeout usage, in particular, like going forth downs, you know, things like that. But this was a, a reflection of, I think, where Brandon Staley is at. I think that he's become far too conservative at this point. And I think that he's been making poor decisions when, when they, from a timeout standpoint. Um, today, you get to the Titans 41-yard line, and you have a fourth and one, and you decide to punt it. And that felt like a moment for them to really kind of seize control of that game. And instead he punts it and it's a 32 yard punt from JK Scott, who was trying to pin them deep. The ball bounced the wrong way. I understand that, but the conservative way that Brandon Staley has been approaching fourth downs is a thing, an asset that has regressed to being a weakness of his at this point, in my opinion. Um, you cannot go into those kind of situations with Justin Herbert as your quarterback and play in this kind of conservative nature. And last year, I think you can kind of justify some of the conservative decisions because Justin Herbert was injured, because Mike was injured, Keenan's injured, Rashawn's injured. You have a healthy offense right now. You have an offense that you theoretically should trust to put up points. And the way that he is calling fourth downs right now is far too conservative for the talent on this offense and the way that they executed, you know, at, you know, in the passing game and fourth and one, that's an easy quarterback sneak. It's just, it's frustrating to see him come down from what we saw in 2021, where it was like, I'm going to put the ball in Justin Herbert's hands. I'm going to trust him to finish these moments and really empowering Justin to perform in those clutch kind of situations. It was like the best thing of his rookie season meaning Brandon Staley and now we're full back to you know defensive coordinator typical like conservative nature and I think that was a big missed opportunity that didn't necessarily lose them the game but it was an opportunity for them to seize control of the game and and they didn't do it if your defense is going to get you to 0-2 despite scoring 29 points per game then you need to find a way to be an X factor in some regard that allows your team to be successful. And I don't recall what it was in the Lynn era when in 2018, when they won more games, they went 12 and four, but th there still needs to have something here. And I feel bad because the defense, like well, they have six sacks and plenty of great plays, but in that coaching regard, you, you need to find something, some edge. If that's not consistency and if that's not, being strong on defense all the time, which would be nice, right? It'd be nice to have those things. But if it's not that, then it's empower your offense as much as possible and give them another shot. And it, not that 2021 was a great offense, but that's the best it's been um, over the last few years of the Herbert era. And it was partially because there was a nice synergy between, okay, we're immediately going to get into this situation and we're going to go for it. We're going to get, you know, we're going to go for it on fourth or whatever. And the best parts of the Chargers offense the last few years is the way they've expressed themselves in unique situations where they were empowered to be successful and to go for it. Um, against the Raiders in 2021, against the Bengals. We got a Philly special. Today we got Trey Pipkins, you know, catching a two-point conversion. Yeah. Which again, I wish we'd be talking about that right now. <laughs> we can't even talk about that yet. But like it almost seems like this team is prepared. They went what three for three on fourth down today? You know, they had the pitch yeah. play. They had to play to, I forget now, I'm forgetting the other two plays. 
Um, but they, they went three for three and they had a two point conversion. Like this team is ready to go, but I just, okay. You can't just do it. Halfsies. It can't be a half measure. Yeah. So again, frustrating. I, I, I'll wait a few more, like let me till buy maybe to have any real take on, you know, whether Staley is conservative or not, because if your defense is, and it was, I think beating up the Titans pretty good. I can kind of understand some, some conservativeness there. So we'll see, but like against the Vikings next week, um, not really against the Raiders, but who knows now at this point, you know, against the Cowboys, like you, you got to win those games and you got to go for it. The Vikings are going to put up points. Yep. Uh, Justin Jefferson's really good, unfortunately. <laughs> um, you know, and the Cowboys are the, the game after the bye. And then it's the Lions and it's the Ravens. And it's, no, it's just, you got to find some way to be an X factor. And right now, uh, I don't know what it is. Yeah, that that decision was was really frustrating for me. And then at the end of the game, Eric Henry subs out of the game because he's tired and you call timeout, which allows Henry to go back in the game on the biggest third down of that of the day. So it just the timeout usage today was really frustrating. That fourth down decision was really frustrating because, like you mentioned, they were three for three on fourth downs of the day. This is a, a an area where Brandon Staley is is supposed to be really good in, and today I felt like he didn't. He took a pretty big step back. I think last week he, there were some conservative decisions as well. So it, it's just in this kind of moment, you can't have these kind of decisions because when you're playing in this kind of game against this team who just has this ability to suck teams into their kind of style, as they did again today. Um, you have to be on point in everything you do and you have to be aggressive and put them into bad situations. You know, and the Chargers just did not do that enough today. Uh, maybe on defense, we can talk about some of the third down, third down ones, but you know, the overall approach against the Titans should have been much more aggressive overall. And instead it was pretty conservative. And I think that's just in general, what cost them today. Yeah. And if you're going to, I love that point about you telling, you're making, forcing the Titans to play your game, to play catch up, to play hurry up, whatever it is. Um, well, Tannehill did go 20 for 24, but in theory, he cannot do what Justin Herbert can do. Um, certainly not. I and that was very evident today, except for the whole second half where they let him do whatever. Um, and you certainly can't allow penalties. Uh, you you cannot be this team that now two weeks in a row for now a variety of players, not just, we can't just say it was JC today, give up some rough penalties that give the other team points. You know, the Titans were not going to score 27 today on their own. You had to, you know, I'm sure this is a big play here and there, but the Titans weren't just going to score 27. And unless you do something to allow them to score 27, which is continually give them opportunities to score a field goal, that touchdown, so again, with this with this defense and the coaching and Staley, you name it, like, why are we seeing this from guys that are better? Like, if Thule makes that mistake or something, sure, fine. The dude just turned twenty one; he's barely played in the NFL. But all these these veterans, and I get that the Sebastian Joseph Day penalty is soft, but they're gonna call it, guys. Like, they're gonna call that. And yeah, Kenneth Murray hit the guy really hard, and that's just a part of football. But guess what? They're gonna call that. You can't make those mistakes. And I'm just, it's it's rough when this defense played well in so many moments to criticize them now. But the end result was 27 points and a disappointing loss. Yeah, the, as uh, Todd pointed out, the Chargers only had four penalties, but all of them were at key moments. All of them prolonged drives from the Titans. I disagree with Derwin's. You know, I feel like he led with the shoulder. Me too. But at the same time, that could have been an interception. That could have been a key moment of the game where you go out and make a play, and instead it's a penalty. It keeps the drive going. Sebastian Joseph's day penalty was just dumb. Um, you know, like I understand you're like maybe it's soft according to some people, but that's the rule. Like you can't, yeah. you mm -hmm. can't make that kind of play. And it's just key moments where this team overall is not showing up. Like I think that's perhaps the theme of the day is. A, the conservative nature, and B, just the key moments and making key mistakes in these moments. And that's just 
stuff that this team is going to have to figure out or else they're just not going to be a very good team this year. Um, let's talk about the way that this secondary played today. Cause you mentioned Tannehill 20 for 24. Basically the script of the Chargers defense has flipped from last year. You know, they were a top 10 unit in terms of pass coverage, in terms of EPA per play last year. And they were pretty decent at limiting explosive passes. And they were lousy against the run and lousy at at limiting uh, big plays in the run game. This year, that's kind of flipped. I felt like they actually played a pretty good Derrick Henry game today. But you get three big-time explosive plays from Traylon Burks and Nick Westbrook to Kina, these guys who have not really proven themselves at all. And this is a theme from last week where you had 16 explosive plays, 14 through the air. Today, I don't think it was nearly that much. But, you know, again, the the, the core identity of Brandon Staley's defense is to put a roof on top of the passing offense. And through two games, it's been arguably their biggest weakness. You know, they're rotating corners all day, which I think to a certain extent can be smart with the way that you are trying to get some of these guys up to speed. But you've got to be able to coach them up in a manner where you are, you know, limiting these kind of explosive plays. So it's just that was the Titans offense today. If they were not having an explosive pass, an explosive pass play, their offense was pretty anemic. That's that's what that was the story of the defense today. You know, they played better in moments, but you can't give up those kind of plays to guys of this kind of caliber. Like all due respect, you know. Traylon Burks and Nick Westbrook-Akina should not be beating you in a passing game with this kind of secondary. I propose, and maybe I I could be wrong, but we've sort of talked about this with Zant last year. I propose that the rotation is too much and that you cannot have Michael Davis not play an entire quarter and then tell him to go out there and play. Like if if I had a job... And I wasn't able to do like the middle third of my job and you suck me back out there. What did I miss? You know, I'm not in a groove. I'm not in a rhythm. I got to say, you know, like the best version of Michael Davis when it was, he was just the guy last year and he, that was it. He did his thing. And the best version of Asante Samuel Jr. Was when he wasn't rotating in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And would they have been better today? I don't know, but I feel this, this rotation of, okay, now it's JC. Now it's Michael Davis and this and that, like you're trying to get, and Kenneth Murray's calling plays. You're trying to get all this communication and line up in the secondary and get your light, right leverages. And they talked about last week, they didn't have the right leverages and they weren't playing a certain way. Like what if you just didn't rotate Michael Davis out of the game 50% of the time? I don't know. To me, it's, it's, it's frustrating to watch like, like that in particular with, with Michael Davis, I get the slot rotation, and I get maybe if JC were hurt, but it's just you're allowing these explosive plays. And I, I don't know if this is the reason or not, but I, I would propose that rotating your guys in and out, in and out, in and out is leading to some coverage lapses that we did not see last year. Yeah, that's totally fair. I, I understand in this moment why you want Jasir Taylor out there. He had some good moments in, you know, open field tackles and run defense. Um, I understand why from the slot you want that kind of rotation, but. Um, it, it felt like there, there definitely was more of a plan with the rotation. It didn't, to me, it didn't feel like, oh, bad play, get him on the sideline, get somebody else in there. To me, it felt more deliberately like JC has this drive. Michael Davis has this drive. Like it felt like an actual rotation. Um, so it did feel planned. And at least that's kind of the way that I interpreted things. Um, but again, like (laughs) even if you're uncomfortable with the rotation, it's not like you are playing the best receiver core in the league. Like this is a bottom core receiver core in, in the Titans and you're just giving up big plays left and right. So it's just, it's frustrating to see the things that Brandon Staley is supposed to hang his hat on be their biggest weaknesses right now. And it's just, you know, it's one of the key reasons why the Chargers are owned too right now. Yeah. There's, I, I don't, I don't quite understand it. Um, and it, it feels like, I don't know if it's because they're late, but there's always now this lack of safety help and these things happening where that too, it, it felt very Gus Bradley era, you know, you're waiting for, you know, give him some help, do this or that. And it's just not happening. So 
again, frustrating. I don't know where the coaching staff and then, you know, it's, it's Brandon Staley and Derek Ansley. I don't know where this really positive influence is, is right now outside of dialing up some blitz packages and running some stunts. But I feel like at a certain point, you know, we could pick 10 people from the chat and they could say, yeah, we'll stunt Thule and Joey Bosa and line up them up on the same side and they'd probably get it done. You know, what else are you bringing to this outside of kind of what we could have just speculated would have happened anyway and been successful? Yeah. Yeah. Um, getting back to some super chats, Bull Brett, I think, because this is a, an interesting question too. Is the defensive scheme that's bad? Is the defensive scheme just that bad? I think that's what he's asking. Or are the players not as good as we thought they were? Um, he also points out the last overtime possession, which was definitely a disaster. I think when we're talking about this defense, I think that it's hard for me to ignore like the history of this defense and how successful Vic Vangio has been with it, how successful Brandon Staley has been with it in moments. You know, uh, Azura Evero in Denver, now Carolina, how successful he's been with it. Raheem Morris with the Rams after Brandon Staley, how successful he's been with it. It's not the scheme that's bad. I think the core principles of this scheme are good principles and you are having execution errors. And maybe some of that is players not being as good. But to me, like if you if you just isolate the core principles of Brandon Staley's defense, I believe in those principles. I think the ideas and the plans are generally sound but the execution is lending itself towards being a bad defense. So maybe that is Brandon Staley trying to do too much. Maybe that's him trying, you know, you need to simplify some things. The cornerback rotation, as Bolt Brett alludes to, maybe it's the players aren't as good as we thought they were. But to me, like when I objectively look at this defense, I see a plan that I like. I see principles that I like, and I'm just missing those execution moments from the players and the coaches uh, to perform at a higher level with this kind of defense. Yeah, the scheme's fine. I think the scheme overall is fine. It's the way it is being taught or coached that is the issue. I think, you know, the textbook is fine. How are you teaching it? And something is being lost in translation there. Again, scheme has been successful. Players have been good or are good. Something's being lost in the middle and that's all coaching. Uh, whether it's not adapting to the strengths of your players, not teaching them the right things, not putting them in a position to succeed. I don't know what it is, but the scheme is good. We've seen it be good. We've seen it be good in other areas with less talent. And yet here we are, 29 points a game allowed. Or excuse me, uh, <laughs> what is it, 30, 36 something and a half or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Someone did the math for me. You're a science teacher. I'm a school counselor. That's not math. Yeah, uh, some guy also pointed out he misses having a defense that can dominate and set the tone. And I agree. I mean, obviously we would all love to have that kind of defense around here. Um, LA Chargers fan after a hard loss, it's therapeutic to come here and listen to you guys talk predictions on record after Vikings Raiders and Cowboys. He says one and four. So, um, appreciate the comment. Appreciate the super chat. Um, do you want to address his question about predicting records or do you want to save that? Uh, sure. Cowboys, I'm predicting a loss and you're insane. If you predict a win at this point. Yes. Um, Cowboys, Raiders, Cowboys to me are like the favorite in the NFC. That's, that's how I'm viewing the Cowboys right now. Yeah. They're an absolute freight train with an identity and an actual defense. And basically the chargers, I'll pick them to win a game where I think the offense can do enough to overcome this defense that is letting them down. So I, I, I might pick them to beat the Vikings. I think you'll have to tell me, is Eckler back? Is Joey coming out of this okay? Um, so in that regard, maybe because the Vikings are just chargers in the NFC. So yeah, two and two and three. Definitely three losses. Um yeah. thankfully they're playing in Los Angeles and not in Vegas, where somehow they've gone 0-2 the last two seasons. But yeah, I'll only because the Vikings are the Vikings, I'll say two and three. Yeah, that's the best case scenario, in my opinion. Again, the Cowboys yes. are really, really good. We have not seen Brandon Staley's team perform well out of bye weeks. Um, that's a game where I think the offense is going to struggle because the Cowboys defense is insanely good. And I think that they are 
uh, best defense in the league, in my opinion. So two and three is the best case scenario, which if you would have told me that two weeks ago, I would probably said you were crazy. But again, this is where we're at with the Chargers being 0-2. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are there any other uh, thoughts you want to address before we head out of here today? Uh, did we get through all the Super Chats? Did we get through enough of them? Uh, your dad um, had one. Appreciate your dad as well. Yeah, well, we'll make sure we get through them. Another one we missed. What do you guys see in the Chargers seeing Josh Palmer? I thought it was a touchdown at the time. Yeah. I don't know what else. I didn't watch him last week, and I don't know what he did this week, but like, he, they caught the slants that were thrown at him, and I thought that was a heck of an almost touchdown. So sure. I don't – and that's kind of his involvement. So, you know, he's the third guy. But, again, 10 snaps for Quinton Johnston. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think the thing that um, I like about Josh Palmer and the team likes about Josh Palmer is that he is a reliable player. He's trustworthy in key moments. He can block well. He can handle versatile roles. Um <laughs> And maybe that's not Quentin Johnston at this very moment in, in the coaching staff size, but still like 10 snaps for Quentin Johnston is, is just kind of a poor plan. So um, I like Palmer. I think he's a really good option as a wide receiver three. Um, I think people are too harsh about him, about like the way that he performed. Like people, people kind of want every player to be a star. And I understand that, but like, he's a good solid role player for this team. He gets open. He does his job. Um, he's reliable. So that's, that's what I see in him. I think he's a, a really good solid wide receiver three. You know, it's not his fault that he's not being used and it's not his fault that Quentin Johnson is being used either. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know what the plan is for Quentin, but this is not what I expect. Definitely not. Definitely, Definitely not what not I expected. Um, I would almost understand being out there for 40 plays and only having 10 yards, but not being out there at all, it's like, what you, what's the plan, man? What, what are we doing here? What is the plan there? Um, yeah. Your first rounder's play. So far, he's not. All right, you want to get to the next? Is there any more or is that it? Um, no, just some like member, not questions. They just, it says they're a member for 16 months. Thanks, Andrew, for being a member for 16 months. I appreciate that. Hopefully, there'll be something positive at some point. Yes. Yes, man, it's just, it's frustrating. And the way that the AFC has played out so far too, it, it's just a big missed opportunity. I mean, the Bengals are in two right mm-hmm. now. Um, the Steelers have not looked good. Um, obviously the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a tough situation for them to overcome. Um, the Chiefs being one-on-one, which I, I still expect the Chiefs obviously to win enough games and be, you know, a one seed, but it's just it missed opportunities, you know, by the Chargers, and it's just frustrating to see that this is still a thing in Brandon Staley's third year. And, and to a certain extent, you can justify some of it on offense with being a new system and everything. But this team is just—they're not as tuned in, I guess, as I would have hoped they would be. And I don't think that's like people point out that the guys didn't play in the preseason, um, things like that. I think this is just kind of stuff that's been a problem and continues to be a problem. So um, missed opportunities, play not to lose. I think those are both reasons why the Chargers are 0-2 right now. Yeah. Nito, can't wait to record tomorrow too. (laughs) Should be fun. So um, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Appreciate everybody in the chat today. I understand it was frustrating. Hopefully uh, we have a better future ahead hopefully that the Chargers can turn this around um key thing obviously being you know this team absolutely has to start winning some games or else this is gonna be a very long season for all of us so um, appreciate Tyler for uh recording appreciate all of you guys in the chat today we'll see you next time as always bolt up everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.